Welcome to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Now put aside everything you think you know about business practices today and stay right here for the next hour as you're sure to find some surprises and wisdom to help you play the business game right. Now, here is your host, Peter Feinstein. Welcome back to another episode of Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. You know, every week it's something where the microphone goes on and I think, yeah, this is going to be just rocket cool. And um, and today's show is literally no different. Today is the second episode of my visit here with uh, with Kenny Weiss. And, um, and I'm not going to pretend uh, that he hasn't been here before, but I am going to pretend that you haven't heard anything about him before. Uh, so bear with me if you were listening last week or the week before and you heard him or if you listened to it on demand, which is quite possible for from iTunes or within VoiceAmerica.com on the Empowerment Channel. Um, you know a little bit about uh, a little bit about the episode today. So we're, we've been talking about uh, your journey to success, and it's the book that Kenny wrote, and um, and we're working on. And today it's um, it's exploring and enjoying uh, your journey to success. Um, and as I began thinking about um, how I wanted to bring this to you, um, because we're getting more into the meat and potatoes of the book, and uh, more meat potatoes is next time and, and then dessert. Um, it's something where I thought to myself, it's like, I wonder if someone out there, anybody, you listening, has um, ever been you know, practically instantly captivated um, by a book like from the very first sentence. It's rare. Um, and I understand that, and it's rare for me too, but this is one of these books where, and this was literally the premise behind my having Kenny in multiple times, because that's pretty unusual for what we do. I mean, I might have a guest a couple of times, but um, not usually three, four times in a row. Um, um, but if you were tuned in to, uh, to the show last time with Kenny, um, you know that we started the conversation about the book, Your Journey to Success. Both Kenny and Journey are so insightful that I said, we're continuing this conversation. And you know what, if you weren't here to hear the first episode, have no fear, we're not going to be doing any kind of inside jokes. We're not going to make you feel like an outsider. I promise the people pleaser in me wants to make sure that you look at the radio as you're listening and go, oh, isn't that sweet of him? <laughs> in truth, Kenny is, uh, Kenny is an engaging man with a powerful yet gentle presence. And you know what, I think it, it's come across on the radio. It definitely comes across in studio in person. Thank you. Um, you're very welcome. And um, and what I can tell you is, um, you know, a promise that I make, um, and I, I only try to make promises that I can keep um, because I'm really accustomed to having made promises in my life that I had no intention of keeping and certainly no capacity to keep. I don't make those mistakes very frequently anymore. Um, but my promise is that we'll probably provide you with some insights and even maybe even some aha moments if you're willing to listen with an open mind. You may laugh, you know, you may shed a tear because there's some, there's some pretty powerful stuff that goes on here. And, um, and I'm never afraid uh, to reveal myself here on the air because it's, it's important that you know the real me. And, and I know that Kenny is, uh, is very interested and, and is self-revealing as well. I mean, his book is, is literally uh, what that is all about. It was, uh, you know, an, an answer to a question that he had to pose himself, and that was the source of the book. So a very little bit about Kenny, 
and then we're going to have Kenny talk a little bit more about himself as opposed to just, you know, saying thank you to my ramblings. <laughs> uh, Kenny Weiss is a coach. He is a speaker and an author. He's at the forefront of the personal development field through his own personal journey and nearly 30, 30 years of studying about the role of motions play in our lives. He brings us a one-of-a-kind skill set, um, and uh, he does it on an individual basis, on a business level. Uh, anybody that is basically looking for more happiness and success personally and professionally. And, um, and you know, with that, uh, with that little, little bit, um, I want to give, uh, give the person listening um, a different perspective insight on you. So just one of these random questions, and I have, sure. a, I have a, like a list of 400 questions, and I literally close my eyes. I, the papers are on my desk, and I just go like this. And so the question that came up was, and I thought, oh, my gosh, God is so totally moving my finger because <laughs> it, like, you know, it was like an Ouija board. So um, how would you convince someone to do something they don't want to do? I'd let them suffer. <laughs> One thing I've realized over the years is um, I don't help anybody. You know, I have experience and wisdom and, and life experiences, and somebody either seeks that out or they don't. And what I'd like to find an answer to, which I'm, I, I think about a lot, is is there a way to help somebody who's not ready for it? You know, I mean, we all know, like, because pain motivates us. Yeah. Like I even say in the book, it, you know, it, certain parts, because the book is so, it challenges you to look at yourself. And, and, yep. and I, I say it, I think, two or three times in the book. If you're not ready to do this, that's fine. Accelerate your addiction accelerate your embezzling in the company, your affairs, um, you're ignoring your kids, whatever it is yeah. that's causing you this discomfort that you're not ready to face, go. Go really hard. Do more of it. <laughs> like drink your, take more pills, get more sick, destroy yourself. Please go hurt. And at that point, you'll be ready. Yeah. And that I can't control. And so... Um, that's really my advice is if you're not ready to, you know, read this book or, or address any of the stuff I talk about, if, if you're feeling yourself pull away, great, pull away more, like really hard. Yep. And then you'll find it. Go big and yeah. then come home. Yeah. That's the only way is we haven't found a way yet in this self-help field to get that person who knows they want help, but they're not ready to do it. We haven't found that answer yet. I don't know that we will. I mean, I it, don't know. You know, <laughs> I'd like to think there's an option. But there are so many cliches and cliches yeah. there. I mean, you know, they're a dime a dozen, but there is a reason that they're cliches. And that is because there's a measure of truth to them. So, sure. I mean, you know, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. Or you can make it drink and then it gets drunk if it's yeah. drinking the wrong kind of stuff. <laughs> but yeah. no, but seriously, I mean, and in the recovery world, it's something where, um, you know, as, um, as a sponsor of yeah. others in recovery, it's something where um, I learned really early on to maintain uh, the 12th step 
focus. The 12th step does not say to go fix others or help them fix themselves even. The 12th step says you can keep what you've got by giving it away. Yeah. And, and, and the message will be received. It may not be accepted. Yeah. But it will be received. So I don't know that there's, that there's, you know, a human equivalent to flipping the switch of instantaneous, instantaneous willingness. I, you know, you bring up the spiritual aspect, and it reminds me of when, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and I, I, when I, just before I, my first divorce hit, and ran into this guy, and then my divorce hit, and I started pursuing spirituality, and I was like, you know, okay, so how do you, you know, chase God and all that stuff? What do you do? How do you teach people? And he said something really profound. He said, you know, Kenny, you know, because there's all that go knock on door and spread the word, right? <laughs> well, none of us want to be told what to do. <laughs> the last thing we want is to be talked down to or told how to fix ourselves. And he goes, yeah. you know, I just try and live my life in a way that people go, what's that? He's different. And I, I listened to that and I was like, you know, so what I, you know, the only answer I can think of is the more vulnerable I am, the more, uh, um, the more I can own of my own imperfections and my issues, then somebody goes, well, that looks okay. Maybe, you know, so if they're, so if you don't choose pain, then the option is if I can somehow accept me enough that someone else goes, I want that, I want that self-acceptance. Like, cause that's not something I can say. You know how that is. You walk in a room and someone just goes, there's something different. Yeah. You know, what do they have? I, I, I'm curious about that. Yeah. And so that's the only other option that I can think of is. Go clean up your own S-H-I-T. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then somebody may go, oh, there's something, I, they're drawn to that. Yeah. And so to me, those are your two options is I can't make you, so I better make me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, it's, uh, and, and the funny thing about, and, and you nailed it, I mean, there's, there is something attractive about that. Yeah. I remember I asked two guys very early on in my recovery, like, the first three weeks that I had been going to meetings, um, asked two guys because they had something that I had not seen before. They had an element of contentment. Yeah. And the first guy didn't have time. Um, and as it turns out, that was a blessing because he managed his own recovery and, and went on to continue being in recovery. And, uh, and, the second guy that I asked um, was one of the gentlest, kindest, most loving human beings I have ever come across, and yet, hmm, as firm as they come, and but not not abusive. Um, yeah. Not shaming, yeah. um, you know, not <laughs> not a recovery Nazi, yeah. and you know, and that's an oxymoron. But it yeah, happens. Going to tell you what to do, how to do it. Yeah. When, oh uh, yeah. yeah, and it's like you know, I mean, he yeah. basically said, okay, so you know, here's the deal. The only thing he told me because I had said, well, I started reading this book, and he said, well, we can try it. 
but I don't have any experience in that book. So, you know, we'll do the first part of the first step in that. And after that, if I, if I don't think I can be of help because it, I don't have the experience, I'll let you know. Yeah. And he did, and we didn't, and I went on to go do it the way he had experience, um, and, and it worked. And it, but it was his contentment that so entranced me, um, I couldn't have put my finger on it at the time. I know I did not understand what it was I was seeing. I just knew, as you had said, that it was so attractive and so different it was um, it was powerful, and maybe that is that element of motivation, getting someone to do something that they don't want to do. Because I'll be honest, I mean, in recovery, um, I didn't want to stop doing what I was doing. Um, when I got into the program, um, I got in to stop experiencing the consequences. Mm-hmm. I just hated feeling like crap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, little did I realize that there was more to it than that. And ultimately, I would accept the concept of changing how and what I did. But that was not my initial motivation. Yeah. You know, my initial motivation was like, oh, my gosh, the pain has just got to stop. Yeah. The one thing I learned, you know, when I first started really discovering my abilities in this area is I, I wanted to fix everybody and, and tell them what to do. And I kind of learned that my, my second marriage um, saved my life because it almost killed me. And what I learned in that was my counselor, I, for a 10-year period, I probably spent seven years with him. I worked my ass off. <laughs> I did the whole Nike philosophy, just do it, be a grinder, go, go, go. I did everything. It doesn't work. It never works. That whole grinder, there are a lot of people out there who propose, you know, you just got to constantly work and and it's it's false, but that's a different topic. But um, he used to say to me, you know, I was like, certain parts I couldn't get. He's like, you just may need to hurt more. I didn't understand it. Well, what I realized in this process, so when I'm working with a client and they're struggling with something and they want me to fix it, I have to remind them, look, there might be a life experience waiting for you. You're struggling in this on purpose because you're trying to teach yourself something. So you're going to pick a job, a person, a friendship, a hobby or something that's going to blow up in your face yeah. because you need that lesson. It's waiting there for you. And for me, and I may see exactly what they need to do, but they can't hear it. They need that life experience. And so my job as a coach, my job to love them is to not rob them of that. Because if my counselor, who, when I told him I was going to marry this girl, and he actually, he was a pastor, so he, he married us. And he's like, I think it's too early, but I'm going to let you do it. Well, it almost killed me in it. But without that, if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't have this book and have discovered this universal process we're all stuck in. So I won't rob my clients of that either, my friends or anybody, by telling them what to do. Now, there's an appropriate time because people are paying me, as my counselor Tommy. Because, you know, I'm like, you know, learning about boundaries and when to give advice and stuff. I'm like, well, when do you tell somebody what to do? And he goes, Kenny, there's only two times. He goes, when somebody asks you. Yep, that's one. 
and when somebody pays you, <laughs> and so people pay me for my advice, but even then, I've learned there are certain moments for them, the best thing is to pose a question or put things in a way, as he used to say to me, it's so much more powerful when you find it on your own. And yeah. so that became the gift as I finally learned how to let them find it at the right time and right place versus having to meet my own lack of self-esteem needs by fixing you and being your savior. I, I don't need that anymore. That's really a nice place to be. That's, uh, that's so true. And actually, that's a great place to, um, to pause for this segment. Okay. And, uh, and when we come back, because we're, we're coming up against a break, um, we're going to talk a little bit about feelings and thoughts, which we did in the first show, but I'm going to ask for a little bit more, um, a little bit more information. And, uh, and then through that process, that will guide us to switching gears a little bit. But we'll be back in just a couple of fast minutes. Hang tight. More with Kenny Weiss on Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. We'll be here. You should, too. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if you could save 55% or more on your TV advertising? We're Higher Power Marketing, and we can probably save you at least 55% on your TV ad buys. Don't believe me? That's okay. Just go to hpowermarketing.com and see and hear real success stories from real clients. Then ask us to show you how we can save you money, too. Go to hpowermarketing.com. That's hpowermarketing.com. Exceptional media for less. That's hpowermarketing.com. If you think half of your company's advertising is working, but you're not sure which half, we can help. We're Higher Power Marketing, and we help our clients identify which advertising works and which is wasting their money. And then we fix what's broken so they can get more bang from their advertising buck. If you're not sure which half of your advertising is working, call Higher Power Marketing for help at 800-300-9124. That's 800-300-9124. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're tuned in to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Reach out to us with questions and comments at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or connect with Peter via email. The address is businessrules at hpowermarketing.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. My guest today in the ongoing and continuing conversation, Kenny Weiss, speaker, author, coach, and uh, and guest here in studio today. So, in the uh, in the last segment, we uh, we talked about coming out of the break with a couple of different things, and uh, one of the things that we're going to kind of switch gears to is um, talking a little bit about um, 
uh, thoughts and feelings, and um, and and I guess kind of addressing the word stress. Um, share w- share with us a little bit about your take on stress, yeah. and um, and. And I know um, that you've done a fair amount of research mm-hmm. into this. So, you know, give us a little bit of information sure. as well as um, some confrontation. Sure, yeah. The, the clinical definition of stress <laughs> is white-hot fear. <laughs> is, it is. Is it's it? It's pure fear. Yeah. The, the stress reaction is fear. But like we do with so many things in life because we're in denial about emotions, we have a predisposition not to talk about, and that goes back to the 1600s, a, a fight between Descartes and the church over emotions and science. Um, and so what we've done with most of our language is we've changed it so we don't have to deal with the emotional element. So whenever we're in stress, fear is always one of three things in any situation. It's either the fear of rejection, the fear of inadequacy, or the fear of powerlessness. Anytime you're angry, over any reason, anyone screaming at you, I don't care what their words are, what the issue is. And this will help you in a fight in the boardroom or whatever. Literally change everything they're saying and turn it into this because this is what they're screaming at you. Please, please don't find out how inadequate and powerless I feel right now. And by God, don't you dare reject me. So when they're screaming at you, you did this, 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 and this. Well, what did, think of that. You did this. Well, what are they feeling? Oh, my God, you're going to reject me. Yeah. What are they also saying? I'm inadequate. Inadequacy is about I, I feel like I don't have the skills, tools, or knowledge in an area. So let's say you're feeling stressed. Here's a simple solution. Ask yourself three things. If you're feeling a possibility of rejection, well, that's self-esteem work because now you're tying your self-worth to how they're, whether they accept you or not. My book will list a lot of tools as far as how to do the self-esteem work. I, w- I don't want to take all the time to do that. Ask yourself, am I feeling inadequate? Do I have the skills, tools, and knowledge? Well, think when you start a new job, you're not really sure <laughs> of all the, yeah. the ins and outs of it. So go become an expert in it. Yep. Your fear will dry down. Powerlessness is all about control, feeling a lack of control. Well, control usually comes or feeling powerless usually comes from the inability to say no to somebody we have a culture that's love is oh say yes sacrifice everything and then what do we do we go i gave you a b c and d you didn't give me y well you just manipulated them that's the the yes is the most unloving thing you can ever say in business or relationship (laughs) no is loving because you're authentically telling them yeah that doesn't work for me doesn't mean i don't love it just I'm being honest yes. with you. So if you're powerless, look at where you're going against your morals and values, your needs and wants. Um, so that it's called giving yourself away. And look where you're, you're saying yes to something that you want to say no. If you ever, when, to make that determination, if someone asks a request of you, think through, will I ever throw this back in their face? If the answer is yes, then you need to say no. And very rarely do any of us say no to that. We say yes, and and it's all a manipulation. So that's when you're feeling stressed. Look at your life and ask yourself those three questions. You're going to find every single situation or whenever you're angry at somebody, it's all of that. So those are all issues inside of you. You go fix that. I'm not angry at you anymore. I don't feel fear, which we call stress. That's what's really going on. Yeah, it's. I know for myself that uh, um, that it's that it's exactly 
as you describe it. Yeah. And it's it's something where I've you know I've I've noticed it in myself. And I can feel the energy of others mm-hmm. when, um, you know, when we're in conversation and, you know, there is, uh, there is an element of confrontation um, or defensiveness or attack, which is really the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's just reversed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it's something where, you know, it used to be something where I would react um, almost tit for tat. Yeah. We and did, I, I did a speech about it six, eight months ago, and I was just describing that whole anger process and yep. how it's always a mask for fear. Yep. And it was hysterical, or actually sad, really, not hysterical, but about three rows from the back on the far right, a man stands up in his late 60s and screams out, this is a bunch of bullshit. He literally... Everything I just described, he literally acted it out and walked straight across everybody and walked out the door. But I knew, it. you know, in this process, you're always wondering if you're getting your message across. That day is the day I knew I had something because as he walked out and I just kept going uh, because I knew what he was experiencing. I didn't take it personal. Right. It wasn't about me. It was about him. Yes. And not a single person from in front of him, look, no one turned around and looked back at him. And the three rows of, I don't know, 40-some people he walked in front of, not a single one watched him walk out the door. When I talk to people afterwards, I even have clients from that speech, they have absolutely no memory of that ever happening. <laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, I'm on to something. Yeah. Because it, 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 it was completely unseen and unheard by everybody. And it's funny because in business and, um, and in personal and in sponsor, um, which is an element of coaching. Sure. Um, you know, my experience has been when I let go of going tit for tat, then, you know, it's something where we're able to uncover what's really going on. And yeah. I'll tell you, that is a pain-inducing process for the person that has to go through that because, you know, they remain defensive until they realize it's okay that they don't have to be defensive. Well, I, what I found is when someone's yelling at me like that, you're this, uh, what, I, I, I listen. Are they feeling rejected, inadequate, or powerless? And, and it could be one or all three. Yeah. And then whatever they say, I ignore the attack, and, and I turn it into a question. So it sounds like X is really and, – and you're actually – see, all they're asking is to be heard. They want those emotions heard. Yep. And so when you ignore the attack, because really as they're screaming, what they're screaming is how they feel about themselves. That's the other thing. Yep. That's about denial. But – so when you recognize what they're doing is they're yelling their imperfections at you. They're telling you where they feel broken inside. And so when you, you know, like with salespeople, they don't think I can help them. I'm like, wait a minute, you're not listening to what, <laughs> when you're running into these objections, you haven't been told what people are really saying to you. <laughs> you know, you've been told the manipulation of how to get them. But when you hear them from this angle, all of a sudden they just drop. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh my God!" Someone finally—they actually heard me. You used um, you used a word, um, denial. Yeah. So uh, there was a really cool example of the extent to which yeah. someone—and um, I'll let you tell the story—about sure. uh, this Hungarian doctor back in the 1840s, Doctor Semmelweis. So, yeah. tell us a little bit about the story and um, and his. Um, the denial that he was confronted with. Yeah. 
first of all, denial to me is the single greatest killer in this world. It is the single greatest reason we all struggle. There has been absolutely, in my experience, no books or insight on what denial is and how to confront it and how it shows up in our life. If there's a topic that has been least addressed and educated on its denial. And what happened with him was this is back, you know, in the beginning of medicine and stuff and people, you know, these midwives and, you know, after doctors were coming from the morgue into the obstetrics ward and women would end up getting sick and dying, you know. And he, this was before they discovered germs. And he started to postulate, wait a minute, maybe there's something about working on these corpses and coming in, you know, and because it was especially the wealthy women, because there was a pride around how much blood you had on you when you went to examine somebody. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. There's <laughs> a badge of so honor. So he, he started to postulate, because, so he started, you know, washing and cleaning, and, and he was working on women of, you know, in poverty, and no one was getting sick and dying. Hmm. And so he started to say, wait, there's something, there's something attached to this. Well, how denial is and the brain works and the protection we have over our false self, um, nobody would listen to him. So, you know, as the story goes, he cut off one of his hands, stuffed it inside of a corpse's body, and went in and uh, worked on a lady and died a couple of days just to prove. Like, look, this is what, do you see? It's, there must be something inside these corpses, and it killed him. And, you know, at least that's the story. There, there are a couple different versions, but that's one of the versions that went through. And, and denial is what keeps us from success. We refuse to look at our imperfections. It's all, we have a victim culture. It's always somebody else's fault or some other circumstance outside of us. And even if we're willing, even like with myself in my process, when I was willing to look at me, Nobody has shown us a clear-cut way of how, of the process to uncover denial. And really what my book, I think the gift of my book is in a kind way, I expose how much denial I was in and how I discovered it and then the process for people to discover it. And that's, that to me is the holy grail. You want to change your life, your business, your relationship with your kids, anybody, become an expert in denial. That's where the answer is. So in moving from, from denial into acceptance, I got to believe that there is a pretty significant amount of courage that is involved. Well, the only way you can get ac acceptance is through confronting your denial and seeing how dark we all are. We're all, we all have darkness in us. Yep. It's universal because yep. we're all broken. Right. And we've all been, uh, our whole system is set up to avoid that. I mean, look at Facebook and everything. Everything's about positive quotes. Just cover over everything. We don't, <laughs> you know, we just, we don't want to unclothe that. Well, you don't need positive quotes when you find your acceptance. It's there. I don't need to supplement. It's just there. Well, the only way to get it is to see it. So, um, remind me of the question again. I got sidetracked because uh, I'm, not, I'm not answering you. Um, courage, and, courage, courage. And, courage and trauma. Yeah, the courage. Um, the 
Courage comes generally from pain. It's not yeah. something we choose or really know how to choose because we haven't been taught how to choose it. And so usually what happens is courage is derived from having your back up against the corner. It's not an innate ability, really, because we don't teach it. Because if we were going to teach courage, we'd teach about denial. Because then you'd be able to see it. But yeah, we I was, teach I was, the opposite. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like if you have courage, you can work through denial. Um, I know for me personally, I remember uh, the elements of denial. I mean, they were so deep. It's something where, you know, when I got into recovery, um, I didn't hit my bottom until like three weeks later, yeah. two, two or three weeks later. And, uh, you know, and at that point, I stopped being willing to continue going through the same pain ceaselessly. And I decided that there had to be a different way. And I became willing to do whatever it took to make the pain stop. Yeah, you just proved it. Your courage came once you saw your denial. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's courage is born out of a investigation of your denial. And, and that's it, 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 without that, you you don't have the access to courage. Yeah, it's uh, and and experience is um, is just one of the most beautiful things yeah. because um, that's the stuff that you're sharing in your book. Yeah, and that's why it resonates, and that's why it reaches, and that's why um, there is that emotional grounding yeah. as a part of the book, which I which I so appreciate. Thank you. Yeah, it's believe me, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So, um, Thower is actually tripping along. Actually, it's not tripping along. It's like speeding along. Um, and uh, and uh, before we head into our uh, our next break, um, I want you to take a couple of minutes, sure. um, relatively unrushed, but know that we have just a couple of minutes to let people know where they can find you online, um, on the phone, you know, YouTube. Every, every, just spill your spill your guts. All right. Well, <laughs> the first thing is the spelling of my last name. It's W E I. SS as in Sam. So it's Kenny Weiss and you can my website is www.coachkennyweiss.com. Um my LinkedIn profile is just Kenny Weiss. My YouTube channel with got a hundred videos on various topics is uh either Life Coach Kenny Weiss or Kenny Weiss. You can find it there. Facebook. Uh Instagram is a little bit different. It's Kenny Weiss Coach. Um, okay. So coaches at the end, yep. someone else had taken the other one, I guess. Um, and then um, I have a meetup group. If you're here in Phoenix, Arizona, um, I've just started that for anybody who wants to come. 8 to 10 a.m. Thursday mornings. It's at uh, Seattle Espresso on the corner of McClintock and Warner. So every Thursday morning, 8 to 10 a.m., it's called Coffee with Kenny if you search meetup. Um, so just come hang out like-minded people just, you know, wanting to ask questions about my book or anything in life or all of us sharing different things. And so there's that. And then my book, um, you can find it on Amazon, all the different outlets. 
Um, and it's your journey to success, how to accept the answers you discover along the way. And I personally feel the best way to experience my book is get the audio. And don't stop. You're going to want to stop and dig in, and it's going to you're going to it's going to really make you think. And I'm like, because of how the brain and body work and how we absorb and learn, the best way to start to deal with this or experience this book is listen to the Audible all the way through, then buy the paperback or the Kindle and start. Then sit and contemplate, make the notes, circle everything. But that's the best way to absorb all that because it. It'll take 10 to 15 years to fully grasp everything that's in the book, and that's why it's called The Journey. That's great guidance. And, um, and you know what? Speaking of journey, um, when we come out of this break, we're going to go on a little bit of an adventure. And um, it's something where um, I think you'll enjoy it. I know I've enjoyed it so far, but there's more yet to come. So don't be gone for more than the two minutes that we're gone, and we'll be both back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if you could save 55% or more on your TV advertising? We're Higher Power Marketing, and we can probably save you at least 55% on your TV ad buys. Don't believe me? That's okay. Just go to hpowermarketing.com and see and hear real success stories from real clients. Then ask us to show you how we can save you money, too. Go to hpowermarketing.com. That's hpowermarketing.com. Exceptional media for less. That's hpowermarketing.com. If you think half of your company's advertising is working, but you're not sure which half, we can help. We're Higher Power Marketing, and we help our clients identify which advertising works and which is wasting their money. And then we fix what's broken so they can get more bang from their advertising buck. If you're not sure which half of your advertising is working, call Higher Power Marketing for help at 800 300 9124. That's 800-300-9124. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're tuned in to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Reach out to us with questions and comments at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or connect with Peter via email. The address is businessrules at hpowermarketing.com. Now, back to the show. We're back with Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. My guest today, Kenny Weiss. Kenny's written uh, just an engaging, captivating book, Your Journey to Success. And, um, and uh, it's, been, uh, it's been an adventure so far. And, um, and I promised that we were going to go on, uh, on another adventure of sorts. And, uh, and so, you know, after a very quick break, um, which I think was actually remarkably quick, um, I wanted to find out 
have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? <laughs> <laughs> you, you like that story? That's oh a, man, Kenny, Kenny's got to. You, you got to talk. You got to tell us right, about this, about the Grand Canyon. <laughs> well, this to me was this was a you know I, I I dip into parenting and how parenting affects us in the book and. Um, I had a great experience with my daughter. You know, I was in the process of learning about parenting and all these different things and, and fear. And um, my daughter came in, she was 16 years old and comes running in the door, dad, I'm engaged. I want to get, I want to get married. Wait, how old? 16. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure everybody yeah. heard it. 16. And just like any father, I freak out. What do you have <laughs> scream and yell? And the more I scream, the more she screams, you know, and, and I realized, wait a minute, we're both in fear and I'm creating it. Where do I feel powerless and, you know, all the things. And, and I realized I was trying to control her. And I, and I thought back to, you know, my parents were 16, 18 when they were married. I'm not saying it was a great marriage, but the point is, is how do I know? Can I be absolutely certain this is a bad decision for her? I don't know. Remember how I talked about my second marriage? This could be exactly what she needs. Like, this is all going on in my head, hyperspeed, as I got back into reality, got out of my trauma history and all the stuff that we've all been taught and how we all parent. We all parent of, I'm going to control my kids so I feel better about myself. Yeah. You know, and that's what I was doing is I, I was afraid <clears throat> and I was dumping it into her. And so I got into reality of, wait a minute, she's not on this earth to please me. She has to find her own path and I'm trying to control it. And so I paused and I got real quiet and, and, and thought about all this. And I'm like, are you, you going to do this, Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, Olivia, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? And like a pure teenager, she's still surly. And she's like, no. And I'm like, what if I told you I've been? Would that stop you from wanting to go? No. I'm like, well, what if I told you... I had all the pictures and movies and everything, and I could show you what it's all about. Would that keep you from wanting to go? And she started to soften a little bit. She started to think. She's like, no. And I'm like, not even if I could tell you everything that's there. And she's like, no. And I said, why not? Well, I kind of want to see it myself. And I said, that's right. That's right. And I said, Olivia, that's the point. It doesn't matter what I tell you about marriage or whether this is good or bad. It's just like the Grand Canyon. <laughs> no matter what, even if I took you right now and had you stand right next to me, you would have a different perspective because of your height, your age, everything. Yeah. There isn't a damn thing I can show you or tell you about the Grand Canyon that's going to make sense to you until you stand there on your own. And I said, so if you want to get married, do it. Do it. All I ask is this. When you do, you come back and you show me the pictures and the movies and everything. I want to hear and see all of it. She just went white, <laughs> quiet, and she went, okay. And what's it? I wrote that story in the book, and I ended it with, of, you know, like we now, whenever we discuss things, she comes to me with stuff at some point because now I just ask questions. I don't tell her what to do. And at some point she's like, you know, Dad, I think I need to go to the Grand Canyon on this one. Yeah. And in other words, she needs to experience I'm like, all right. And I put in the book of 
you know, one of these days I'm going to actually have to go to the Grand Canyon. (laughs) (laughs) And what was beautiful of how all this works is it was about two months ago. My daughter flew out here. She finally decided she wanted to come out and hang out. And we took a helicopter ride over the Grand Canyon. Oh, man. So I was just bawling. Like, you know, I'm like, it was just... It's like, because I was not going unless I, I mean, I was like, I can't go there without her. And sure. so it was a pretty neat experience for the both of us that's, to, that's to have that. So cool. Yeah. So. That's, uh, that's a great adventure. And, um, and it, it resonates so much with me because for so much of my life, um, quite simply because um, my biggest defense mechanism in life was that I knew it all. Mm hmm. And I certainly knew what was best for me, yeah. which, of course, is probably the single biggest and longest running joke, at least as long as I've been alive. Yeah. Um, and that I could actually, you know, tell you what is best for you. Sure. And, you know, and all the associated nonsense. And when it comes down to it, um, you know, the realization is for me, and I'm not sure when it occurred to me. Um, but the realization has been, it's like, well, you know, I, I didn't create myself. So what would possibly make me think that I know what's best for myself? And the moment that I let down that guard and drop the wall, answers come rushing in. Yeah. And answers that I didn't even have questions for that I didn't think. But stuff, it's just like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, and I've got, I've got a stack of stuff that's in the midst of editing for writing my own story um, and my own book. And it all comes from that, that single, minute, gosh, the size of a mustard seed willingness to recognize that I don't know what's best for myself. And I certainly couldn't possibly know what's best for anyone else. And so the single smartest thing I can do is to ask and listen. Yeah. uh, It's the old, the more I know, I realize I I really don't know that much. Yeah. And there's so much freedom in that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, after spending a life of I need to know, I need to figure it out because of what I went through. I, I had to protect myself. I have, and you see it everywhere. Everyone's trying to do that. That's powerless, powerlessness comes from us trying to control and have power over everybody. And and when you work through this process, all that goes. And it, yeah, it's just a it's just a different experience. It's a cool analogy, mm-hmm. the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um, you know, just think of that. Yeah, I was. I mean, that's what I mean. I couldn't have written this. But this book was being written for years. Yeah, I just didn't know it. Yeah, but because I was interested in discovering this journey, I paid attention to things like that. And so, I've been writing this book for years and saving these experiences. And now they're you know it's just time to share them. So, in your process of parenting. Um, if I had been there to witness it, I thought I probably would have been um, in an element of awe and complete um, respect for an aberration for your capacity to step back from an argument and uh, and engage in a series of questions 
and truly inspired questions. Um, that does not happen very frequently in parenting. No. Talk a little bit about the stuff that parents pass along and do to their children. Yeah. Well, none of us have taken a single class on parenting. And yet we bring up that and everyone gets defensive. Oh, I know what to do. I saw my parents. Well, who taught them? The, the parenting model that we have that's shown on TV, you know, everything uh, that's all been modeled is massive codependency and enmeshment. None of us. I mean, I hear it all that. Oh, my parents were great. Couple questions. It's pure codependency and enmeshment. Yeah. Because no one has taught us how to gain our own self esteem, because no one taught them going first. This is centuries. This is since we were, man was created. There's been no education on this. So the way we all parent is. Pia Melody, I love this analogy. She, she uses the description of a reverse umbilical cord. <laughs> Yeah, think of it. Yeah. What do we say? You're, we tell our kids, you got to be this, you got to be that, you got to be more successful than me. Well, that's about me. Yeah. But I want the best for my kids. And you hear the energy in that? Because your self esteem, your worth as a parent is tied to what they become. That's about you. You're stealing. Like, it breaks my heart all across Facebook, LinkedIn, and everything. And I live for my kids. That is the most destructive thing for a child because for a child to know that they have that much power over you is deathly fearful for them because you're there for them, not the other way around. But I'll never forget walking into Safeway as a kid, six years old, my mom holding my hand and she looked down at me and she said, Kenny, I take you for granted. And it didn't make sense because I didn't have the language or but now I get what my mom was saying. I remember the discomfort of, oh, yeah. I, I, can't, I, I can't take care of you. And because we don't know that's what we're doing, we think we're being loving. My, thought, my mom thought she was being incredibly loving to me. She didn't know what she was doing. So none of us know. We're not bad people. Right. But so when we think we're loving our kids... We are literally stealing their emotional worth to fill ours. And most people are completely unaware because there's no education of it. And so they think they're authentically loving their kids, and they're not at all. And, and all, that's all of us. Even me, with all of this experience and knowledge, I still do it because of how neural pathways in the brain, I won't get into all that. But so it, this, to change this dynamic is a three, five, seven generational change to change the brain patterns and everything of how we learn mm -hmm. and the emotional conditions that we're in. It's not something that will get fixed in my, li my lifetime, but it is, it is everybody. We are all doing it. So anyone listening to it, you are doing it. You can't not do it because it's how we've all been taught. And that's the first piece to learn is that acceptance of, I'm stealing from my kids. And if you get nothing from this show, get that. And it's something where, 
you know, there's an element of perfectionism involved in a great many human things. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's something where um, it is one of my chief defects of character. So impatience is my first. Mm. Perfectionism is like just, you know, it's, it's neck and neck. And it's born of this insane premise that I've talked about and that we've shared that, you know, I know what's best for me and I know what's best for you. And if I don't live that way and if I don't do perfectly, then I am worthless and, you know, and so on and so forth. And, you know, the point that you make about this taking lifetimes and generations to affect um, a change that will be consistent in lifetimes and still not even be perfect because we're human. That's the part of it that resonates so clearly with me and helps me give myself permission to forgive myself, my, my human beingness and, and be okay with it. Um, But what that does is it, that recognition of my imperfection, um, it lets me off the hook so that I can step back and do as you did with the story of the Grand Canyon. Because without my willingness to back away from my perfectionistic tendencies, I never get to the questioning. Yeah. And, and it, 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 there, I tell a second story about my daughter it, it, that's about that perfectionism of she was failing in sixth, seventh grade. I think it was seventh grade. And, and the school called a big meeting talking about perfectionism. Thirteen adults. Okay, so you're going to have to make this short short because we're, we're actually coming up. I mean, we've got a couple of minutes, but literally only a okay. couple. So let's, let's get it. She, <laughs> everyone wanted to fix the problem for her. There, there's 45 minutes of solutions and everything. All the adults, my daughter, not saying a word. And finally, they turned to me, Mr. Weiss, what do you think? Perfectionism, they're going to fix it and handle it so that they feel better about themselves. And I just said, you know, I find it fascinating. I think my daughter's got it all figured out. Until the pro- she thinks it's a problem, but right now she's got 13 adults figuring out for her. She's actually, look at her. She's sitting at the head of the table, hasn't said a single word. I don't think there's anything we need to worry about because look at how smart she is. She has all of us trying to fix the problem for her. The last person I'm worried about is her. <laughs> Guess how that went over? <laughs> <laughs> like the proverbial lead balloon. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, my daughter wanted to fail. Let her fail. She's having fun. Look how good it works for her. She's got 13 adults figuring it out. There is so much power. That's why she did it. In letting somebody chart their own path. That's why we fail in business relationships, everything. We want that. We want to fail because look at what it gets us. Everyone comes to our rescue. It's beautiful. It's the greatest payoff in the world. You know what? This is is the lightness that I wanted us to begin to get to because the second half of the book is decidedly lighter and solution-oriented. And so we've crossed from a lot of the heaviness and the next two shows, so there will be two more shows, are going to be much lighter oriented. Um, This one, however, is coming to a close and another hour has just screamed by. So quickly, before we close, um, just, you know, 
just one last time, the most important way for people to reach you. So choose one, and then we'll uh, we'll say our goodbyes. www.coachkennyweiss.com or phone number 480-729-3270. Okay, so he snuck two uh-huh. in, and I realized that. We've got 25 seconds for me to say I really appreciate you being here, Kenny, and I really appreciate you listening to us both. And uh, and we will be back probably next week, um, and, uh, and we'll dial in some surprises for you. In the meantime, have a great day, and thanks for tuning into Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into Business Rules. Be sure to join Peter Feinstein for another enlightening program next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a winning week.